congregation. It would be great if you could look up Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read the first 18 verses there. This is in connection with the teaching about the Lord's Supper and uh, the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So Hebrews 10, hearing the word of God, page 1380 in the Pew Bible probably. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. And I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It's written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and Offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the suffering, or through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. And that's our reading from Hebrews chapter 10, the Word of God. Let's now just take a confessional reading from um, Lord's, Day chapter, uh, Lord's Day 30 of the Hutterberg Catechism. So the Heidelberg Catechism you can find in the back of the songbook. Lord's Day 30 we come to. Page 545 and 546. What difference is there between the Lord's Supper and the Papal Mass? Pa um, just to be clear on the question. What's the difference between the Lord's Supper and the Pope's Mass? You know, the Pope, Roman Catholic Church. Is there a difference? And so here's the answer. The Lord's Supper testifies to us, first, that we have complete forgiveness of all our sins through the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which He Himself accomplished on the cross once for all. And second, that through the Holy Spirit we are grafted into Christ, who with His true body is now in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and this is where He wants to be worshipped. But the Mass, that's the Roman Catholic Mass, teaches first that the living and the dead do not have forgiveness of sins through the suffering of Christ unless He is still offered for them daily by the priests. And second, 
that Christ is bodily present in the form of bread and wine, and there is to be worshipped. Therefore, the Mass is basically nothing but a denial of the one sacrifice and offering of Jesus Christ and an accursed idolatry. Who are to come to the table of the Lord? Those who are truly displeased with themselves because of their sins, and who yet trust that these are forgiven them, that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ, and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith, to amend their life. But hypocrites and those who do not repent, they eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Are those also to be admitted to the Lord's Supper who by their confession and life show that they are unbelieving and ungodly? No, for then the covenant of God would be profaned and His wrath kindled against the whole congregation. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and His apostles, the Christian church is duty-bound to exclude such persons by the keys of the kingdom of heaven until they amend their lives. After the sermon, we're going to sing hymn 61. Congregation loved by Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm sure that every time there's a celebration of the Lord's Supper, you can see that it's set up a little bit like a feast. You have tables out front, and people come, and uh, they sit, and they take part together. We're united around the table of the Lord, and there's, there's ingredients like wine that should remind us of feasting. I think the Apostle Paul calls it your love feast. You're referring to the Lord's Supper. And you might have in the back of your mind the uh, invitation to the wedding banquet. The Lord Jesus had this parable about the wedding banquet, Matthew chapter 22. The kingdom of heaven is like that kind of a feast. And he has invitations sent out, servants going throughout. Um, and there are different responses to the invitation to come to that feast. Some say, no, I'd rather not. Others, they come and they just assume it's fine to come and they're not prepared. Jesus had this in the parable. He said, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited didn't deserve to come. Go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you can find. And that's how he filled his wedding hall, right? But then when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes, so he was thrown out. The point is, there's, there's a difference between those who are invited into God's kingdom and those who actually make it into God's kingdom. Many are invited, Jesus concluded, but few are chosen. So I want you to think about the Lord's Supper as it shows us a wedding banquet. And it's a practice. What do we learn from the Lord's Supper so that we know this about the kingdom of heaven as well. Who's invited? Who should come? So the message I'm bringing is come to the feast. Come to the feast. I want you to hear the invitation from the Lord Jesus. And uh, we have to notice not everyone should come, but only those with faith. And so first of all, fleeing idolatry. You have to know a few uh, details the difference between the true Jesus Christ and the idols that we make him into. 
And so the first point is going to focus on that first question and answer. Maybe it's one of the more depressing ones, but actually, um, that's only the concluding line. Question and answer 80. What's the difference between the Lord's Supper and the Papal Mass? You know how it ends with, therefore the Mass is basically nothing but a denial of the one sacrifice and suffering of Jesus Christ and an accursed idolatry. And you're like, I I know Roman Catholic people, I know friends, and they're they're pretty well-meaning people, and I don't want to offend them. But this is getting to the heart of the Gospel. Let's understand the difference between an idol and the truth. Who is the true Jesus Christ? And so this is laid out for us. There's two ingredients, really. The children can even understand and picture this, that Jesus Christ is in heaven. And if you start to worship Jesus Christ like he is somewhere here, like in the bread and the wine at a Lord's Supper table, and you think that that's where Jesus is, you're like, oh, hang on. That is idolatry, to think that the bread or the wine is Jesus. And so that Lord's, um, the Lord's Day 30 is saying, well, the Roman Catholic Church says that Jesus Christ is bodily present. The Roman Catholic Church says bodily present in the form of bread and wine, and there he is to be worshipped. And um, just, just to make it clear, I, I remember seeing a Roman Catholic worship service as part of training for the ministry, and the Mass that was involved... They treated the bread and wine with such care, the wafer and the wine, because if it's the body of Christ, the last thing we want to do is let a crumb of the wafer fall to the ground. Or we don't want to spill the wine. Let's make sure that we handle it super carefully. Because if you understand that to be where Jesus is, there we have an idolatry. And the opposite, this is what you should believe, that through the Holy Spirit we are grafted into Christ, His true body is now in heaven at the right hand of the Father. That's where He is to be worshipped. There's a big difference. And the other part, it's not just where is Jesus Christ, a really fundamental question, but is He done or is He not done? Has He offered the sacrifice that's pleasing to God, or is he still offering? Is is there something that still has to happen? So the ongoing or finished is a big question. You notice that I'm called pastor or reverend, and I'm not a priest. Because I'm not the Old Testament priest that continues to offer sacrifices. I'm not a Roman Catholic priest who continues to offer Jesus' body as a sacrifice for you. There's a big difference between whether Jesus Christ is in heaven sitting down and finished, like Hebrews 10. We were reading Hebrews 10 for that very point that he offered himself as a complete sacrifice. This is your righteousness. He is your righteousness, and he sits down at the right hand of the Father. It is finished. He even said that right on the cross. It is finished. I hope you see this first point. Idols are where you make up things about Jesus, about God. Let's make sure we're clear that the true Jesus Christ, the one we put our trust in, is the one who has finished offering himself and it was perfectly acceptable. And secondly, he's in heaven. 
That's where his body is. We direct our worship toward him in heaven. Second point. Let's embrace Christ. So here's our uh, second question and answer. Those who are to come to the table, you have to know who Christ is. And you have to embrace him with your whole heart. And you have to admit that you need some help. Because how does it start? Who are to come to the table of the Lord? Those who are truly displeased with themselves because of their sins. If you're coming to a banquet, to a feast where the Lord is there, and you are self-righteous, you're patting yourself on the back, or you're doing the comparison thing, well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. You know what they did last week. That's not how you're truly displeased with yourself. You're not setting your focus on Jesus Christ. So the point here is embrace Jesus Christ. You are not looking to yourself. You're not like that rich young ruler who has listed all the things that he's done. You're not like what we, what we heard, um, the two men who went up to the temple to pray. The one is saying, I've done this, I've done that. At least I'm not like that. No, those who are invited and those who are supposed to be feasting with the Lord, they are displeased with their failures. That God has set the law in front and there's a bullseye in the center. This is what you're aiming for. This is how you please the Lord. And you are admitting, I have missed the bullseye. Often I missed the target altogether. This is only a start. Maybe, maybe this is the easy part. Many of us can say, well, nobody's perfect. I'm a sinner. But do you trust this? It's helpful, the catechism goes on further, that your remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ. Your remaining weakness. You've got a little bit of pollution down in your heart. Sin is not just a one-off. Sin wells up from a heart that's gone crooked, that's perverted, twisted. And so here... What about the remaining weakness? What about today's weakness like this afternoon and, and late in the evening? And what about tomorrow, the weakness? Are you covered by the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ? By the suffering and the death of Christ? Do you embrace Jesus Christ? Because that is faith. It's saying, I'm a mess. I need Jesus Christ, and I don't just need Him for a little pick-me-up. I need Him to carry me. I need Him to bring me to glory. And so, that's, that's where we begin. Righteousness in Christ. But let's keep going, because there's, there's a lot here. Do you also desire more and more to strengthen your faith and amend your life? Amend your life. I wonder how often we use that word in a week. Amend. Change. It's an easy word, actually. Do you desire to change your life? Do you want your faith to grow and that you would be a different person? You desire more and more to be in the image of Jesus Christ because here, if you embrace Jesus Christ and your resurrected Lord rose from the grave, your new life is in Him. And you're like, I'm no longer 
dead to God. I'm a new person. There's a promise of the Holy Spirit in me. I don't have to be in the same rut of sin every day and every week. What a glorious promise. I embrace Jesus Christ. You embrace Jesus Christ because you know tomorrow has hope in Him. Who are to come to the table of the Lord? Those who can say, I'm a bit of a mess. I'm a I'm a project that needs a lot of work yet. And I know my Lord. He's at work in me. I actually don't like the sin that I do. I find the sin that I commit never satisfies. And I know that in Jesus Christ, He is is perfect paradise. He brings glory. He brings joy that I don't find from day to day. So here's the point. You have embraced Jesus Christ. That's the message. You want to be a different person. You want to be more like God. That's the kind of person that comes to the table of the Lord. Notice, it's not somebody who's done enough, who said the right things, who's really checked all the boxes. It's the people who need work. Like in a hospital, people who are sick, that's where you would find them. All in church, at the Lord's Supper, people who are weak, people who have failed. You are the ones who are to come. And if you are self-righteous, self-assured, then maybe you should stay home. Or, Or better yet, sit this one out and hear the preaching and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ ASAP. we got one more point. And this is to say, it better not just be head knowledge. Those who are to come to the table are not the ones who just know the right answers, who say the right things. This is about, do you say thanks to God? Is there a new creation? Is there evidence in your life? that you love the Lord. So here's the part about change. Are you born again? Are you living for Christ? In John 3, verse 3, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not for flesh and blood. He says to Nicodemus, it's for those who are born again. And so um, answer 81 has, has mentioned this that you desire more and more to strengthen your faith and amend your life. And here's the point of preaching and the point of the sacraments is that we would grow closer to the Lord, that this is a kingdom feast and that we're showing up at this kingdom feast with respect for the King. You don't show up entitled. You owe this to me. And so this is the nature of the Lord's Supper. It's for those who are humbled and respect the one who has invited them. Remember that fellow, I think I mentioned Matthew 22, the one, the king's looking at all those who came to the great banquet feast and he sees somebody who's not even dressed for it. And in that culture, he's not even clothed for 
He's got no respect for the one who's invited him. He didn't even read the invitation properly. And so this third point, it's important to know that a heart has to be changed. Jesus Christ teaches us that uh, there are a lot of trees, but not all trees are fruitful. He's talked about the kind of fruitfulness, like have you invited strangers? Have you fed those who are hungry? Have you clothed strangers? Have you looked after the sick? Have you visited people in prison? There's Matthew 25. Jesus says there are some who are invited. They get, they get kicked out. They don't seem to be changed. And so answer 81 and 82, they're, they're talking about hypocrites. Hypocrites and those who do not repent, they eat and drink judgment upon themselves. And 82 really nails this point right out of the scriptures. Are they to come to the Lord's Supper? And uh, you, you can think of 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. I mean, we should add something. You might mean really well, and you might mean meet really nice people, but do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And you have quite a list there. And you might think, well, no one's going to make it. No one's going to be welcome at a banquet feast with the Lord. But there in 1 Corinthians 6, if you keep reading, this is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. In other words, made holy. You were justified. You were made right with God. And you get to sit down with Christ. It's not saying you're perfect, but you are no longer who you used to be. You have a new identity in Jesus Christ. You are that changed. So I began the sermon with the parable of Matthew 22. The kingdom of heaven compared to a banquet feast, a wedding feast. Many people are invited. Not all came. Others tried to come on their own terms, ill-prepared, not really thinking it through. So you think about the Lord's Supper, and our teaching is, is quite simple this afternoon. If you don't know the difference between the true Lord Jesus Christ and idols, things that we make them up to be using our own imagination, the Lord's Supper is not for you. It's the time to repent and come to know the true Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not embracing Him by faith, then embrace Him by faith. Because Jesus Christ is your only perfect sacrifice. He's your righteousness. He's your new life. Your identity. And come. If you see that you've been born again. There's evidence. There's a new birth. And you're alive because the Holy Spirit's at work in you. Producing a new, new behavior. Pleasing to God. You desire what's right. You turn away from what's evil. If this is you, you know who the banquet feast is for. You know who the love feast is for, the Lord's Supper. It's for you. So come in the confidence you have in the Lord Jesus Christ, the faith that you have that He 
is your righteousness. Amen.